Hello, you're listening to the KPMG Private Enterprise Insights for Entrepreneurs series. I'm Ian Kyo, and today I'm talking to Ken McCracken, Family Business Consulting with KPMG Private Enterprise. Now, today we're going to be talking about family strife. Now, corporate coups and corporate spats are bad enough when it's just business, but when it becomes family, it suddenly turns into a family feud, and it's the worst part of family business. But Ken, how normal is it that people simply fight? Uh, Well, thanks, Ian. And to answer your question, it's absolutely normal. And I think this is one of the things that puzzles me about the fa- about commentary about family businesses as though somehow the absence of conflict would be the normal state. When you have a lot of family members with a stake in a business and different types of interests, as maybe some own it and others are working in it, um, there are inevitably going to be differences of opinion. Um, so the, And there'll be anxiety about the future, about where we're going as a business and what will my future promotion prospects being will I ever be able to retire and and when that anxiety comes up it is quite natural for people to maybe get into arguments about it so I'm I I just treat conflict as a normal reality of family businesses and the only thing I would find unusual would be the absence of conflict really yeah because I think it's it's a I mean, obviously there'll be periods of calm where everything's going well and there's there's going to be no no disagreements but to me, there's such big issues in family businesses that they have to face up to that at some stage, it feels to me perfectly natural for there to be differences of, of opinion. And that's the source of conflict. Well, so, I, suppose, I suppose people look on it and say, look, it's a corporate, it's a normal business, it's a PLC or whatever, and somebody gets demoted, doesn't get the promotion they're looking for, or God forbid, gets sacked or ousted out of the business, and then they move on and go somewhere else. But if it's a, a multi-generational family business, I mean, the emotional linkage and, and, and issues and baggage that comes with must dwarf what goes on in a normal enterprise. That is also true. It will dwarf what goes on in a normal enterprise, which means then that we have to understand the nature of conflict or try to understand the nature of conflict in family businesses and help family business owners to understand that so that they can maybe manage it a bit better. So we you know there are, you know, the example you've given, if there's one top job and there's three candidates who happen to be siblings, well, that is going to be a, a challenge and who's going to make the choice and, and is the person making the choice, making the choice as the current managing director and owner or as a parent. So those are difficult, but we can maybe but, but do it. But, take, but that, take that as a specific example. How uh-huh. do, what, what's best practice? I know there's no one size fits all, but yeah. in, in, in the case of three going for one, we know it doesn't mix and it's probably the owners who are parents doing the job. What would your advice be to someone in that situation? Well, if I could sum it up, it would be to the family to be true to yourself. If you feel, as a family, that you can only have one person in charge, then obviously you have to work hard at deciding who that will be and then what you do with those who don't attain the top position. However, other families would go for a form of team leadership. Other families would be able to run their businesses in different silos so that individual family members have an opportunity to be in charge of part of the business but staying out of the way of their siblings, for example. So the families can need to get these ideas, I think, and this information and then process it and say what fits with us. Some families are very pro-business and they will always err on the side of those who have the most talent but for other families family cohesion matters and therefore they're going to make compromises that will maintain family cohesion and maybe mean 
less profit in, profit in the business, for example. I think we can't tell them you must do it one way or the other, but we can help them understand the way that would suit them as a family based on their, with their own views and values. Yeah, it's funny, just from reporting on family businesses over the years, I found being in court cases and watching them, mm-hmm. they seemed much more bitter when they went to court. That it is, seemed much more, that is true. And, and once you got to that stage, much more harder to resolve than a normal business dispute. Yeah, I think I think that that oh that is definitely true, and I think other forms of dispute resolution, the adversarial method of going to court, or even some of the more alternative dispute resolution methods of arbitration and mediation, there still seems to me to be an assumption that at the end of that the parties can walk away, and you can have a win-win which each side walks away and thinks we've won, but the ties that bind in a family business are deeper than that, and it isn't always easy to walk away. So I do think that we would be better to try and help family businesses understand the pressures they're under, the issues that could derail them, help them to understand them and think about them better. Because I, And I use the term think because conflict often means that people have not really thought it through. They see everything from their point of view and believe they're right, but the relative sees it from a different point of view and believes they're right. We just have to maybe help them to understand each other's opinion a bit better and see if there's a compromise or consensus that they can work towards that will enable them to maintain their family cohesion and have a workable solution for the business. Talk to me about roles, because where it really gets muddy sometimes is you've got, you know, the second generation or the third generation and they can be in charge of, you know, everything from HR to finance or out doing sales and people do so much uh, that almost the roles become a conflict within themselves. I think this is overlooked, Ian, and it's, it's, it's good that you've pointed towards it. It's a major source of conflict because families often expect or are happy for some family members to have a multiplicity of roles. So, for example, this person is a managing director, they're a shareholder, and they're a sibling. They're also a child and they're a spouse and they're a parent. They happen to be on the trust of the, the family trust that owns some shares. They, t- they also serve in the pension fund, for example. One person who was wearing so many hats that they don't even know what role they're in when they're facing fundamental decisions. And I think the conflicts of interest that that creates can be really awkward, and sometimes legally awkward even, because there's various legal duties bound up in some of those different roles. So I think to, to families, I would say, be very careful in giving one person too many different roles. I've seen people crushed by this because when they're asked, you know, you mentioned earlier about making a choice about the next, you know, yep. head of HR. In what role are they when they make that choice? Is it as a parent, as a shareholder, as a, as a director, or what hat are they wearing? And that can be very debilitating for families. And what about the opposite of that, of having too many hats, of having businesses siloed? So I, I've come across businesses over the years where, you know, the uh, the manufacturing wing is run by one guy and he yeah. doesn't talk to, you know, the car sales guy who doesn't talk to the ag guy. And as these businesses develop over the years and add new wings or new divisions or new operations, they become siloed. So it's, it's essentially no one's talking to each other. Yeah, but are you familiar with families where people prefer not to talk to each other? I think we're familiar with all Irish families yeah. <laughs> where people prefer <laughs> well, not to talk uh, to each other. Well, I would say maybe just not here in Ireland, but generally. So I think, so no, no textbook would tell you that that's going to work. 
best practice, if you believe it exists, would say that's not the way to do it. All I can say is I keep meeting families to do it that way and it works. And it seems to me that what they do is they resolve the anxiety about working too closely together by keeping apart and just keeping a distance. So somebody runs manufacturing, somebody runs another piece and they run that in their silo as though they were in control of that part of the business and they're successful. So I think that instead of us prescribing to families that they ought to do this or they ought to do the next thing, sometimes you have to say, what you do works. Now the question is, can you keep doing it that way? Which might be more of a challenge, but I think it's a perfectly, and, and for other families are thinking, how do we make this work? Well, maybe dividing the business into silos run by individual family members is a good answer. What's interesting talking to you is that it, there's no one size fits all. There's no one strategy for family business. It, it literally, you can have the textbook, but you can throw it out the window yeah, if yeah. you find something that works for that family. And when I say it works, it is about maintaining a balance of interest between the family, the current owners and the business. That's what we mean by making it work. And there probably is as many ways to do that as there are family businesses. However, we are starting to see sort of archetypal forms, if I could put it like that, types that you see time and again. So what we want to do is make sure that families hear about them. Families will be familiar with what works for them. But when they face the future, they might want to have a few more choices. Not a best practice, but a few more choices so that they can look across them and say, let's look at this one because that might just work for us. And is it a case in these business that, you know, if there is a fight or a dispute, I mean, there has to be some sort of decision-making process for somebody to come in and say, this is where we're going? Well, I think uh, families who have thought this one through often put that in place. The charter. We keep on hearing about family charters and corporate governance. Exactly. So families who are putting together charters and constitutions are pretty practical people that will say, let us assume that at some stage we're going to have to deal with the odd disagreement around here. How do we want to deal with it? And they put in some sort of process or guidelines as to how they're going to deal with family disputes, ownership disputes and disputes in the business. So I think that, I mean, that, that just goes to the, the kind of simple fact, but it's a very challenging thing to achieve. To be successful in a multi-generational family business, you need to be well organised. Yeah. And having that foresight to say, if we fall out about something, this is how we'll deal with it, is planning to succeed. And how do you do that? Do you get the different wings of the family and they all have their own representatives kind of pulling into this agreement? Or do you come up, is there, is there a standard boilerplate that you should be thinking about? Well, I think I think for the, well, your question relates to the demographic of families. So you could go from nuclear families to, you know, wide clans and networks of families. So the way they go about the task is going to be different for them. But I think for all those families, what they're trying to do is achieve a consensus about what works for them based on their traditions and values and based on their aspirations for the future. Just just some of the stuff in your own literature, and it was something I think anyone who's married out there will see it. I mean, we think of, as you said, the nuclear family business, which is mom, dad, some children, yeah. next generation. It gets more complicated when you start putting in-laws into the mix. Well, it does. And we need to acknowledge that different cultures have different concepts of what is a family. But if you were to ask the, the question of a family, who is family? And then say for the purpose of owning the business. And then who is family for the purpose of working in the business? And who is family for the purpose of coming for dinner on Friday night? I think you'll get three different answers. So... The, this concept of family is not uniform, it's culturally different and when you look at these different roles that you've been mentioning Ian, I think you'll get different answers 
And that's for families to think about. You know, some families embrace their wider family, bring in spouses, and others are very uncomfortable about that. And there's not a right answer. There's the answer that fits a particular family. And are families' businesses, in your experience, having these conversations? Increasingly. Yeah, it's, it's no I, one's, I, we're I, not having that lack of engagement. No, I, I, I'm very encouraged by this because there's been about 30 years of research and teaching now globally about family businesses and the families have been getting that and they're liking that and that's helpful to them. So increasingly, they, f- they think we can face up to this. Previously, maybe some were a bit worried about it, overwhelmed by the th- prospect of it, but now I think families are saying we need to do this and thank goodness there's a lot of information to help out there that can that can enable us to do that. But the overarching message is it's not normal to fight. It's not, sorry, it is perfectly it is normal. normal. Yeah. It is perfectly normal. It is perfectly normal yeah, it's, to it's, fight. It's perfectly normal to expect that when you're in business with your family, there'll be moments of anxiety and one of our responses to anxiety will be conflict. So don't be frightened by it. Understand where it's coming from. Understand how to manage your way through that and keep thinking. The emotions will drive a lot of those conflicts, but we have to help families to also think their way through that and find a resolution that works for them. I remember coming across a family business a number of years ago um, down in the southeast of Ireland and two brothers, one wanted to sell, one didn't want to sell, and in the end they sold when the price was high enough, but there was an awful lot of friction between the two for that period. Well, it's a great example, Ian, and an example that shows us how tough it can be. But, you know, we don't help anyone and the families don't help themselves by running away from those issues. So I think, thankfully, the families seem to now increasingly have the resolve to say we need to face into those issues. Otherwise, they could derail us. And that means it could derail our business and it could have a negative impact in the cohesion of our family. Okay. Well, Ken, we leave it there. Ken McCracken, Family Business Consulting with KPMG. Thanks for joining me here today. Great, Ian. Thank you. 